Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class, 10 Myths of American History when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there. Classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com, enroll, and get a real history education. The war on history has now taken aim at flags. We'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com. You've already heard about that. But of course, as you purchase classes there, you keep this podcast free of charge. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've got a great new live class coming out. you got a few days to get in on that. It's an awesome situation. You get me live four times in October. We meet. We're going to talk about American conservatism, and the American part is important. We're going to look at American conservatism as contrasted to European conservative conservatism, for example. We're going to talk about that, though, live. You've got some reading, but this is your opportunity to have me interact with you, answer your questions, and uh, become one of my students. And just go out to McClanahan Academy, click on that American Conservatism Live. If you're on the email list, you've got the coupon. So look for that. Get on that email list so you can have the coupon to the class. You get 200 bucks off. It's a great deal. But of course, that is a win-win. You get me live, and you also help keep this podcast free of charge. You can also support the show by going to uh, Spotify for podcasters, clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com, the super thanks button under this video if you're watching on YouTube. Those are all great ways to support the show financially, throw a few pennies my way. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Give it that five-star review. Leave a text review wherever you can and comment on YouTube for the algorithm. That does help get more eyes and ears on the show. And send me those show requests. I do want to see what you want to hear. Now, This isn't an explicit listener-generated episode, but it certainly is something that has been circulated around that I've seen and people asked about it or at least talked about it on social media. And that is a Washington Post article that came out on September 10th about how there are seven flags, state flags in the United States, that need to be done away with because of their ties to the Confederacy. You see, in 2015, I was interviewed for the Christian Science Monitor, and the man that was interviewing me said, you know, what about this? And I said, look, here here it is. We're not going to stop with Confederate monuments. Once those are gone, they're going to focus on something else. Now, we know that the Confederate battle flag has long been in the sights of the iconoclasts. They want to take that down. But they've gotten rid of that in most places. So now that's not enough. You see, for example, Georgia has a flag with ties to the Confederacy. They got rid of the battle flag, but now the Georgia state flag, the way it is, which was a compromise flag, which a lot of people didn't like, by the way, uh, it, it now has to be removed and replaced with something else. So I find this fascinating because I said they're not going to stop with Confederate statues. They're going to go to the Founding Fathers. They're going to go to something else. They're going to go to other things they find 
reprehensible in, in American history. They just are not focusing on these. In fact, what I think they're ultimately going to do is want to change the U.S. flag. Now, who didn't say, look, the Star Spangled Banner, I talked about this a few weeks back. That song is now you know, no good. We saw just on the other day, if you watch any kind of professional sports, that on the opening night for the NFL, they had two different quote-unquote national anthems that night. The object is to replace the Star Spangled Banner with a different song, just as, I mean, the object is to replace all of these things, right? The object of Juneteenth is to replace July 4th. That's the point, you see. This is the point. You can't have anything that's traditional. It has to be torn, torn down, torn away, ripped away, because there are unsavory things attached to it. Now, my question to begin all of this is with the U.S. flag. I mentioned that that's going to be on the chopping block at some point. I guarantee it. Now, places like the SPLC and others have said, no, 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 the U.S. flag, that flag, that flag represents freedom. That flag represents uh, anti-slavery. That flag, even though it has a stained history. Now, let me talk about that. The U.S. flag flew over slavery longer than any other flag in American history. In fact, it flew over slavery from the time it was created until 1865. So, uh, to say, and I say 1865, it flew over slavery from 1861 to 1865, too, because there were slave states in the United States during the war. In fact, Delaware, as I pointed out, Delaware didn't abolish slavery until December of 1865. Same thing with Kentucky. Same thing with New Jersey. So, it flew over slavery for longer than any flag that ever flew over the Confederacy at any time. It's been flown at Klan rallies. Right? I mean, it's been flown as a symbol of white supremacy. And yet, this flag is okay, supposedly. I'm going to tell you, they're going to want to take it down. Mark my words as I'm recording this in 2023. There will be an effort to change the U.S. flag at some point. It's going to happen. Just as there's been open talk about the Constitution, the Declaration, any of these documents, they need to be done away with or at least changed because of the stain of the past of American history, what they call a stain, right? Uh, this is how we have to define it. This is the language they use. It's history. But this is the point. They want to change all of these symbols and all of these things because that will be part of the ongoing Marxist revolution. It is, you have to. You think about the French Revolution, right? The French Revolution was cataclysmic, but what did they do? They tore down everything from the old regime. Everything. And they replaced it with something new. Now, communists have done this around the globe many different times. They've done it immediately. They did it in the Soviet Union. They did it in France. They did it in Cambodia. They've done it anywhere they've had the, the opportunity. They tear down the old and replace it with something else. In fact, they even replace the calendar and other things. Right and In France, they were notorious for this. They came up with a 10-day week changed the months of the names of the months of the year. They did everything they could to make it to where the old was gone. This is exactly what these people want to do. They want to start over. Trust me, this is what they want to do. And to do that, you have to get rid of the old. Now, what they've realized in all of this trial and error is that this immediate shock doesn't go well. It didn't go well in France. Robespierre getting the Church of Reason and having this really spe great spectacle where he walked up this float and was at the top of the thing. It was kooky. 
and nobody was going to go for it. Right? So eventually Napoleon comes back and he restores all the old, a lot of the trappings of the old regime, he even becomes essentially a king again. The king will come back, right? Uh, but he does that because he knows the people of France don't want to abandon everything old. They simply want a little bit of reform and that's it. They just don't want to have this hereditary monarch or what that comes with. Even though he became a hereditary monarch and then, of course, we had the hereditary monarchy back. This led to other revolutions in France, 1830-1848. But the point is, that immediate shock was hard on the French people. Same thing in the Soviet Union. A lot of people went underground. right? The churches, the Orthodox Christian Church, Eastern Orthodox Church, went underground in Russia. People weren't necessarily on board with erasing all of the traditions and culture. They didn't really want to do it. And so the communists, even in Eastern Europe, had to hang on to some of this stuff because the shock was too much. So what they've all figured out, didn't I mean what, what they've decided over time, is that you can't necessarily do this unless you have real authoritarian government. I mean, China, they have it. In North Korea, they have it. Real authoritarian government where you can barely even breathe unless the state says you can do so. Now, we're not going to get that in the United States. At least there would be enough resistance, I would hope, that that kind of stuff wouldn't happen here. But... They can do it slowly. It's like putting a frog in boiling water. The frog won't jump out, but it's going to get boiled. It's going to get cooked. And that's what they're doing now with all of this stuff related to American history. Traditional Americans are the frog in boiling water. They're doing it slowly. Well, we'll take this little piece away. We'll take this little piece away. We'll take this little piece away. Or I should say most Americans are the frog in boiling water. The ones that are sounding the alarm, hey, that's boiling water, get out. You're turning it up over time. Get out of that water? No, this is fine. We can just do a little bit here and a little bit there. We'll adopt a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And we'll make these people happy. They never will until they get to the final end of it all, which is the complete destruction of any traditional American history. That's what they want. And all the well-meaning do-gooders out there that just want to appease people and say, we'll just do this. We'll just do that. They'll be, they'll, it'll, it'll all be fine. We'll stop here. We'll stop there. This is my criti criticism of the Straussians, right? Well, equality is conservative. We'll get to here. We can't go any further. Well, why not? You have to reject everything outright. Because if you don't, if you don't say no, shut up, well, then they're going to keep going, right? Because that's what they do. So eventually, eventually, the U.S. flag and all of its, all of its, the skeletons in the closet flew over slave trading ships, flew over slavery, flew over slave auctions, ties to white supremacy, used by the Ku Klux Klan, all of that stuff, which was done more often than anything with Confederate iconography, let me tell you. All of it, all of it, is going to come under attack. I don't care what any of the progressives say. They're just saying it now because they don't want to show their entire hand. It's just like with the situation in the New Mexico governor who knows that she probably doesn't have a legal leg to stand on, even in New Mexico. If you just went by New Mexico's constitution, which is what they should do. But it's moving the ball. It's moving the ball down the field because now there's going to be something to talk about. Well, why can't they do this? Well, why can't they do that? Why can't we call this a public health emergency? Hey, we got COVID. Let's call it a public health emergency, a public mental health emergency and do it. So you see, that's the point. They move the ball. 
They're, we're playing on their field by their rules and on their terms. And they can change the rules at any time. Anytime they want. They can move the goalposts. They can change the rules. This is why football is the leftist game in many ways. Because the rules change all the time. Now, I know that you know baseball has made some changes to the rules. But baseball is much more stable. But football, they keep changing the rules. They change this. They change that. They change the meaning of this or that. I mean, they do it all the time. When you change the rules, you change the game. And that's the point. Change the game. Keep the other side off balance so they never know what to talk about, what, what to attack, what to say. And of course, for most well-intentioned people, they're just fans. They just want to cheer on. They just want to cheer on the United States. Doesn't matter what it is. They just want to cheer it on. Yeah, okay, well, we'll make these people happy. I mean, we got to be inclusive. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to make these people happy. There are a bunch of toddlers petulant little children throwing temper tantrums because they're not getting their way and they don't like something. You see, that's the point in all this. I'm going to read this post, this piece from the Washington Post that got all this conversation started. Again, it's a conversation. These are petulant children. They don't like it. So it has something has to happen because I don't like it. Why? Shut up. Who cares if you don't like it? That should be the response. We don't care if you don't like it. Particularly in one of the people. Now, let me get into this because I find it fascinating again. So, the the uh, title is Seven State Flags Still Have Designs with Ties to the Confederacy, including Maryland and California. Yes, California. This is by Jillian Brock, Brockle. I think I've talked about one of her pieces before. Um, she was a, a student, University of, Tech, University of Texas, and then went to uh, journalism school in Chicago. Now, this is a a piece that an undergraduate would write. Seriously. I mean, if you were getting an undergraduate history paper, this is what it would be like. Cursory, you know, kind of you know, not really deep on anything, doesn't really have context or meaning, doesn't really have an understanding for why some of these things happened. It's just based on ideology. This, this is a modern-day undergraduate leftist activists writing a history paper. And those people then become typically graduate leftist activists writing history papers and then professor activists writing history papers. They don't change. And this is why history is so bad in America today. There's no understanding. It's just, I have this ideology and this position and all things have to fit with what I, what I want. That's my worldview, right? So she says, amid the racial justice protests of 2020, if that's what you call it, when Confederate statues all over the country toppled, Mississippi became the last state to remove the Confederate battle flag from its state flag. It was a moment of reckoning for the lost cause mythology about the Civil War that dominated much of the 20th century. But for visual artist Jason Patterson, the work is not done. You see, this one visual artist, the work is not done. So she went out and find one, found one guy who's a vigil artist, who doesn't like these state flags, and then wrote a whole paper on it. This is newsworthy. Why? Because some dope once doesn't like these flags? Give me a break. Patterson, a 38-year-old black man whose art focuses on African-American history, is a self-professed flag nerd. More importantly, or more formally, a vexilophile. And his obsession with flags has taught him something few Americans realize. 
a number of state flags still commemorate in ways both obvious and oblique the bloody attempt to create a permanent slave society. Yeah. Yeah, because all these flags, that's what they represent. I mean, this is just silly. I'm going to get into the seven flags and where her history is just kind of stupid. The Patterson flags just aren't images. They are representations of people, he said. They can hold so much meaning. Five years ago, Patterson moved from Illinois. He, like many flag enthusiasts, adores Chicago's banner. He moved from Illinois. He liked Chicago's banner. To Chestertown, Maryland where he is now the interim deputy director of Washington College's Star Center for the Study of the American Experience. Well, there's a mistake right there. So he moves from Chicago to Maryland. And guess what? He doesn't like Maryland's flag. He's 38. He's a dope. And he doesn't like Maryland's flag. Because, well, he's from Chicago, you see. He loves living on Maryland's eastern shore, a region that produced the likes of Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, and the abolitionist Henry Highland Garnet, of whom Patterson painted a recent portrait, the last person that nobody's ever heard about. It also produced, for example, um, in Virginia on the eastern shore, Abel Upshur. <laughs> uh, and Maryland, of course, produced uh, you know Bradley T. Johnson. and I mean, so... Look, there's a lot to say about this area, but of course she points out this is where these people came from. You know, but it's true they did. But remember, I, I made a point, or I, I made a point on social media. I talked about this: how these people like to elevate someone who's insignificant, like Henry Highland Garnet, insignificant. To a, I mean, so they've just now. Oh my gosh, I got to learn about this person because oh, they're probably so great insignificant people. They elevate them to positions where they don't deserve. That's the point. This is why they want to do it. But he has one sticking point. The state's eye-catching flag has a disturbing pro-slavery, pro-Confederate history. Patterson doesn't want to change the flag, which is particularly beloved by Marylanders, but he doesn't think its Confederate ties should be ignored either. People have known about this. Nobody ignores it. It's on the Maryland State website, for goodness sake. Everybody knows this stuff. They just don't care. And why don't they care? Well, because it's a symbol of reconciliation. It's a symbol of what Patterson from Chicago doesn't like. And because he's a petulant little child, he wants to throw a little temper tantrum about it. we got to talk about this. They should say something about this. Um, what are they going to say? Hey, the flag has uh, the Confederates. Uh, there's a Confederate history to this flag, too. Oh. I mean, you think about that. What he wants is maybe some kind of a contextualization or maybe a trigger warning before you see the flag or some stupid stuff like that. This is what these people want. Not every flag with similarities to the Confederate battle flag has a definitive historical connection to secession or slavery. Three state flags for Alabama, Florida, and Tennessee contain elements reminiscent of the battle flag and were adopted during the Jim Crow era, but otherwise lack historical proof of an intentional link. Well, I'll say this. I mean, look, the, the, the Alabama and Florida flags, it's the cross of St. Andrew. I mean, I, I don't think that this woman really knows what that means because she talks about the Tennessee flag as the cross of St. Andrew, which is 
quite strange, actually. But anyways, uh, I'm sorry, the Arkansas state flag as the cross of St. Andrew, which is quite strange. But seven flags, including Maryland's, have documented links to the Confederacy and white supremacy. Here they are, ranked from least to most obvious. Starts with California. Now, this is where his history is really funny. In June 1846, a couple of dozen American men in what was then the Mexican region of Alta, California, took over an unarmed fort in Sonoma and raised a flag painted with a red star, a grizzly bear, and the words, California Republic. Some of them were maybe a bit drunk. A few weeks later, a U.S. naval squadron showed up at Monterey and its confused commanding officer raised the stars and stripes and claimed California for the United States. The Bear Flaggers lowered their banner and, four years, and for four years, a war with Mexico later, California joined the Union as a free state, meaning slavery was banned. Decades later, in the early 20th century, a version of the Bear Flag became California's state flag. Now, she says, what does all this have to do with the Confederacy? Now, first of all, let me say this. Uh, she's going to point out that a lot of these guys that raised this flag were Southerners and maybe even owned slaves. You know who oversaw this process? This is the, this is the hilarious part that blows all of this up, that this was a pro-slavery flag. The man who oversaw this process was John Charles Fremont. Now, if you're familiar with John Charles Fremont, he was the 1856 Republican nominee. The slogan in 1856 was... Free soil, free men, uh, free speech, Fremont, and victory. John Charles Fremont was the guy that when he moved into Missouri during the war, freed all the slaves, and Lincoln said, you can't do that. <laughs> that was Fremont. Fremont was ardently anti-slavery. So to say that this has ties to slavery is completely ridiculous. Now, what they wanted to do and what Fremont had designs on, in fact, Fremont was court-martialed for this, he had designs potentially on being the emperor of California. You see. So, this is a secession flag more than anything else. But, but... Because some people who like the Confederacy use this flag, well, then it's stained. Again, you have to ask the question, what about the U.S. flag? Flew over slavery longer than any other flag in the United States in U.S. history. Flew over the slave ships. Flew over slave auctions. Flew over, uh, again, after the War of the Klan. I mean, why is that flag given a pass? So what does this have to do with the Confederacy? First, California might have been a free state on paper, but it wasn't in practice. Many of its early American settlers were pro-slavery Southerners who brought enslaved people with them, and others enslaved the indigenous people there, including most of the Bear Flaggers, according to historian Jean uh, Falzer in her recent book, California, a Slave State. Um, now, California, I mean, this is true, California was fairly pro-Southern, and I talked about that. Uh, in a previous podcast, and how people are now trying to attach that. You know, the Confederacy spreads its wings and all these people. Now, California, uh, in, in, this wasn't just California. She brings up the fact that um, they were uh, trying to bring in uh, Asian people for the gold mines, and it was this uh, this kind of slavery environment. 
All these people weren't Southerners that were doing this, even by birth. They weren't Southerners that were doing this. There were a lot of people wanting to make some money in California, particularly once you had the gold rush, and it wasn't just Southerners. She says, as a nation descended into civil war, Californians were fiercely split, and a number of communities flew the disused bear flag to express their support for secession and slavery. Some even proposed the, proposed the Pacific states break off and form their own nation. Oh my gosh, how, can you, how could you do that? How could you form your own nation? Oh, the horror of it all. Wouldn't that have been great? California had already formed its own nation at this point. In 1911, the bear flag design became the official state flag. And once again, the move was stained with racism. Journalist Alex Abella wrote in a 2015 opinion piece for the Los Angeles Times. Only because, you know, if it's in the Los Angeles Times, it's true. The flag had been revived again by native sons of the Golden West, a whites-only fraternal group that pushed anti-Asian immigration laws and whose president wrote in 1920, California was given by God to a white people with God's, with God's strengths. We want to keep it as he gave it to us. The lawmaker introduced the flag legislation in 1911, was a member of the group, according to Abella, proposed an anti-Asian legislation in the same legislative session. Well, it's funny about that is that in 1881, the United States government passed what's called the Chinese Exclusionary Act. They tried to keep Chinese people out of the United States. And California was just part of that, right? So the United States government itself was trying to do this. So again, should the U.S. flag be thrown into the dustbin? Should we, should we redesign the U.S. flag? What should it look like? These are questions that should be asked. I mean, if we're going to follow the logic of this piece, these questions should be asked. Now, what they're trying to do is prime you for this, because most Americans wouldn't go along with that right now. They just wouldn't do it. But you teach people this enough, and for a long enough time, that flag will change. I would say not maybe in the next two or three decades, but you do this long enough, and the flag will change. I mean, look at how it's been described, right? The U.S. flag is a right-wing flag. Now, only right-wingers fly the U.S. flag. Donald Trump, Trump, Trumpists, MAGA people, these are people flying the flag. It's a right-wing symbol. There's been talk about this. Ka Colin Kaepernick, Betsy Ross is a right-winger. Once these people gain enough political power, and trust me, they're going to get it. They're going to come after that. This is just the beginning. So you had to tell these people, no, shut up a long time ago, but nobody was willing to do it. They wanted to compromise with them and coddle them. It's time to dump the Calif that flag, the California flag, Albella wrote. Like the Confederate flag, cross of St. Andrew, the bear flag is a symbol whose time has come and gone. Right? Then they go on to Virginia. Now, the funny thing about Virginia is that the Virginia state motto was Six Semper Tyrannus for a long time. And they just simply put that on the state flag. And then, of course, during the war, and I'm not going to, I'm going to pair, I'm going to go through, I'm not going to read what she says because of time, but during the war, that motto was changed to Liberty and Union. And then in 1873, it went back to Six Semper Tyrannus with the Virginia seal. Basically, what they did is went back to the thing that it was before, because that's the history of Virginia. But now, because these were Confederates that did it, former Confederates wanted to go back to that. 
Of course, this has ties to the Republican imagery of Rome, thus always to tyrants, and killing Caesar. Well, because John Wilkes, Bill, John Wilkes Booth said this, excuse me, John Wilkes Booth said this, well then, it's bad. Of course, John Wilkes Booth was a Shakespearean actor. It's why he said it. So, I mean, this is just laughable. It's laughable. But because of that, because of that phrase, we should change the Virginia flag. North Carolina, of course, has the has a state flag that's problematic. North Carolina state flag dates back to the Confederacy. A version of it was first established in June 1861. The dates inside the banners, May 20th, 1775, and April 16th, 1776, obviously predate the Civil War, but they have a secessionist meaning. <gasps> oh my gosh. A secessionist meaning? You mean like the independence of the United States? See, you can't have anything that's secessionist. According to popular theories, in the decades before the Civil War, North Carolinians, North Carolinians I'm sorry, were the first to declare independence from Britain. With the so-called Mecklenburg Declaration on May 20, 1775, and the Halifax Resolves on April 12, 1776. Beating the Second Continental Congress's adoption of the Declaration of Independence on July 4, 1776. The Mecklenburg Declaration's authenticity has been thoroughly debunked. Well, there's still some questions about this. But the importance of the Halifax Resolves... Debated, but the, and the importance of the Halifax Resolves debated, but the flag today is a little changed from its Confederate genesis. In 1885, the blue and red fields were swapped, and the lower date, which used to be May 20th, 1861, the day North Carolina seceded from the United States, was changed April 12, 1776, at the suggestion of a former Confederate soldier. So the Confederate soldier says, all right, well, let's go back to the American War for Independence. But that has secessionist meanings. <gasps> This is about secession. You can't you can't favor secession. So I guess, you know, this little twit writing this paper would be saying, God save the king. But you see, this is all bad stuff. This is all bad. South Carolina's flag is bad. A palmetto flag with the crescent and blue background has been South Carolina's flag since January 20, 1861. Now, let me say something about this. Most states didn't have flags before the war. They just didn't. All the states that you see flags, most of them adopted these flags during the war or shortly after the war. This is when it became a, a popular thing to do. They, they just didn't see a need to have a flag. Federalism, federalism was understood. They had state seals and state mottos. And you saw this flag during the American War for Independence. This palmetto flag. Five weeks after the state seceded from the Union and kicked off the Civil War, the Confederacy hadn't formed yet. So the South Carolina secessionists who adopted it were actually establishing a national flag for the short-lived Solo Republic. The crescent symbol is not a moon, but a colonial-era chest plate called a gorget. It dates to an unofficial flag waved by some South Carolinian soldiers during the, Ameri during the Revolutionary War, but the addition of the palmetto tree came in 1861. In fact, according to the National Park Service, a version of the palmetto flag was flown over the defeat of Fort Sumter in April 1861, making it the first secessionist flag to replace an American one. Now, of course, this isn't necessarily true. Why do they have the palmetto flag to be? Why do they have the palmetto 
tree to begin with. Now, they, there's there's talks about there was imagery of this during the American War for Independence. It said liberty and other things. Well, because of the use of palmetto logs and resisting the British in June of 1776. That's where that comes from. South Carolina just kept on using it as a Confederate flag. The Confederate flag is its state flag after the war. Recent controversies over its design have centered around standardizing the Palmetto and Crescent design, not its Confederate era birth. So, I mean, well, we should have something different because in 1861 they came up with this. Of course, ties back to the American War for Independence because they rightly saw this as two independence movements. But you see secession is bad. That's why you can't have the North Carolina one. She has a much longer section on Maryland. The Maryland flag, some people love it, some people think it's hideous. But you have two crests, essentially. Uh, two flags, the heraldry of the Calvert family and the heraldry of the Crossland family. And those two are merged together in a spirit of reconciliation. Yes, the Crossland part of the flag was flown by pro secessionist pro-southern families in Maryland and then the the other part of it the Calvert heraldry was flown by unionists during the war but even after that some of these people she says they use these things in improper ways even the Calvert crest we should think about changing this when the two heralds combined became the official state flag in 1905 Lawmakers claimed it was a symbol of reconciliation and unity. But you see, that's a problem. You can't have a symbol of reconciliation and unity. That's a bad thing. The combined flag was first popularized in the late 1880s and 90s by the 5th Regiment of the Maryland National Guard, which was mainly composed of former Confederates. It was nicknamed the Rebel Brigade and marched frequently at public events, according to a state website. As with so many Confederate statues, the Rebel Brigade raised this flag at the peak of Jim Crow and white supremacist violence against black Americans. But of course, think about when this was again, 1880s, 1890s. You're talking about 25 years after the war. These, these men are getting ready, they're dying off. Had nothing to do with any of that stuff. But yeah, this is what it said, right? They, oh, oh, there's, there is correlation, not causation. That's the problem with all these people. So then you get back to the artist, Patterson. He's not a Maryland artist. He's a Chicago artist living in Maryland. Even the Calvert half of the flag, the one flown by Union supporters during the Civil War, was the crest of the Calvert family, who were made wealthy off of slavery, noted Patterson. Oh, see, now you can't even have these people because, you know, they made their money off of slavery. So, I mean, are we going to say this about you know people in Massachusetts and Rhode Island and Connecticut? Are we going to say that about these people too? You can't ignore what the flag means to all Marylanders now, Patterson noted. I think that culturally its meaning has changed, and I think it's totally reasonable for people to say we want it to mean this now. But if you say we're just going to ignore it and pretend that other stuff didn't happen, that's bad. Well, nobody does that. He thinks the state legislature and governor should publicly acknowledge the flag's history. So you have one little malcontent from Chicago coming down to Maryland and saying, this is what y'all should do here. The, the response from Maryland should be, you know what you should do? You should go back to Chicago. Get out of our state. No, shut up. 
be quiet and shut up and or go back to Chicago. That should be the response. Acknowledge the Calvert family profit off of slavery, he said. Acknowledge the Confederate use of the Crossland portion and say, this is such a dark history, but that's not us anymore. Um, it's on the state website. I don't know what Patterson wants them to do. Until that happens, Patterson is hesitant to embrace the flag. So? <laughs> Who cares? Even though as a vexillophile, he admires its aesthetics. When he moved to Maryland and registered his car for new license plates, he opted for the Protect the Chesapeake design offered by the state's motor vehicle agency instead of the default flag-themed one. Great. You know what he can do? He can go back to Chicago, to the land of Lincoln, who, by the way, said lots of racist things. I mean, you can't make up this kind of stupidity. But this is what we have. A little petulant two-year-old is running around saying, we should, we should do this. Because I don't like it. Because I moved here and I don't like it. You know, a lot of the people that were trying to tear down these monuments in, in Virginia were outsiders. They weren't native Virginians. They moved in from somewhere else. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And that's who was agitating. This is what you have all over the place. The Arkansas state flag oozes Confederate battle flag vibes. The St. Andrew's cross with stars has morphed into a diamond shape. So, it's no longer a St. Andrew's cross. It's a diamond now. But but the angles and colors are all the same. It's red, white, and blue. The U.S. flag, with its stars and stripes, morphed into a St. Andrew's cross, which then morphed into a diamond shape. The angles and the colors are all the same. <laughs> you can say this about anything. This is so silly. It's so silly. The original version of this flag, adopted in 1913, was designed by a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution. It contained only three blue stars. But, in the lost cause me of the time, the 19-teens, a member of the Klan, said we need to have one more star added to it. And that star became the top star. Uh, so, that star became the top star, and of course, the Klan did this. And this is Patterson again. Earlier this year, Patterson traveled to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and collaborated, collaborated on a printmaking project exploring the history of students and instructors at the University of Arkansas. This guy is, is a real piece of work, right? So he's going to go to Arkansas and say, you know, I need to change your flag here too, because I don't like this one either. And then he doesn't like the Georgia flag, which a lot of Georgians don't like that flag either. They should have just kept the old one. In modern times, what a lot of people know is the Confederate flag, a blue St. Andrew's cross with white stars on a red field, is actually the Confederate battle flag. The official flag of the Confederate States of America, called the Stars and Bars, was different. And if you're wondering what it looked like, well, take a gander at Georgia's state flag. Remove the seal and the circle from the circle of stars, and voila, you've got the official flag of the Confederacy. As obvious as this flag's Confederate origins are, it's perhaps a little better than the flag that came before it. From 1956 to 2001, Georgia's state flag was a Confederate battle flag with the state seal stamped on one side. According to a state report commissioned in 2000, it was instituted in 1956 
specifically as a show of defiance in the face of federal government's effort to end school, segre- end school segregation. That flag was briefly replaced in 2001 by one that featured among the worst flag designs in history. In 2003, Georgia changed the flag again to a design similar to the one it had before 1956, which mimics the stars and bars. This flag still flies today. Patterson thinks that unlike the Maryland flag, Georgia's is irredeemable and should be changed. Who cares what Patterson thinks? This whole piece is what Patterson thinks. Why don't we just have Patterson write the piece? Patterson thinks this. Patterson thinks that. Most people should say, who the heck is Patterson and who cares what Patterson thinks? You know, he could could go to Chicago and he could work on changing their flag or doing something there. But no, no, no. He's got to run around and agitate all over the United States. Who cares? This is the point. It's like you pull a knife out of somebody's back and then stab them with another one, Patterson said of the change from the battle flag design to the current one. I think it's disgusting. So what? Who cares? This would be the response, and no shut up should be the answer, right? But I found this piece to be laughably funny. I mean, it's it's really funny, but it, it would be more funny if it wasn't so sad. It wasn't so obvious what they're trying to do. All right, so hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan. I'll see you next time for the next one. See you then.